Alright, Mark, you Mark, are you ready? We've gotta Almost. get going. Almost. Hurry up, hurry up. Just a minute. Mark, we've gotta get going right now. Oh, okay, I'm ready now. Okay, alright. Alright, today on Interman Radio, we look at in today's fast-paced culture where everything has to be done right now. How to present the gospel in two minutes or less. <clears throat> That's right. In a fail-safe, can't lose way where you're going to win in the fast lane. <laughs> it works. Every time. Every time. Not. <laughs> Today on Interman Radio, we demolish the Romans Road. Welcome to Interman Radio, where we accomplish more than we thought we could through Christ's power working in us, regardless of what your pastor said last week. Hey guys, let's drop the excuses. Let's pick up our Bibles and prepare to win. All right, Mark, we've been we've been having a little bit of fun here. Just a tad. Talking about <laughs> making disciples, but doing it the right way. I have to, I have to be honest with you and play a little bit of a devil's advocate because I listen to some, some old-time radio. I listen to different stations and I listen to, to people of all different age groups. But I find myself listening. In fact, even the word listening to the radio, uh-huh. that's kind of dated. It dates you yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. All right. But uh, I find myself telling these guys when they're on a show, say, okay, come on, let's get to the point. Let's get to the point. Like, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll hear somebody who's a little bit older and they're winding up to make their point and, and like I'm doing right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And like the audience right now, they're saying, kind of stammering. Yeah, stammering. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of, okay. And they're building and the audience is going, get to the point. Okay, all right. Well, when we're talking about the gospel, yeah. it's tempting to, to do the same thing with that when we're talking about presenting the gospel. And so there's all kinds of different different uh, methods to get to the point super quick. And yet here at Interman Radio, we've developed this 55,000-point outline. Outline It alert. looks like outline it's alert. another Mark outline Miller alert. outline. Outline alert. It helps you, okay? <laughs> That covers every possible, every yes. possible contingent. Yes, and it's it's logical, and it walks everybody mm. through, and all that. Isn't it a little overkill? Isn't it a little bit drawn out? And why are we, why are we using this laborious process when the attention span of people today is really short? What? In fact, we probably lost. Yeah, <laughs> we probably lost most of the audience just getting through already. The intro. <laughs> So why are we going through such painstaking measures to lay out this outline of making disciples when there's things like the Romans Road that can walk a person through it in 20 minutes? Yeah, three scriptures, one prayer, and you're done. Yes. And that's really attractive to people, but the problem is twofold. Number one, there are some places in the scriptures where, you know, you can see like in Acts chapter 8, Philip shows up and he goes and he speaks to the Ethiopian, and in the space of seemingly a short amount of time while they're traveling down the road in the chariot, the Ethiopian says, hey, look, water. Hey, how about I be immersed? And Philip says, yeah, yeah you believe with all your heart you may. Boom. You go down, it's done, right? Yeah, yeah. And that only takes a few verses, so we know it was short. Fifteen seconds. To Tops. Read. To read. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Well, okay, but then Paul, when Paul is talking to, say, the guys on Mars Hill. Yes. Paul doesn't do that. I mean, he's going back week after week after week, and he's reasoning with them from the scriptures. So... It really depends on where you meet your person. It's not like everybody's going to show up in exactly the same space. People are going to show up in different places. Some guys need to start way back with, hey, is there a God? Some people are going to need to start with, okay, hey, I already know there's a God. I already understand the Bible's the Word of God. Some people want to jump a little forward. But in regards to where they are, for the purpose of our discussion, I think we really have to be ready as Christians 
to address the questions that are going to pop up. Now, the person you work with right now may not be the one who questions creation versus evolution, but the next one might be. So if a person's not questioning that stuff, do we need to bring all that up? I mean, it's like in sales. If somebody does not bring up an objection, you don't you introduce don't it for right. them, right? right? You know what? You really should consider not buying this because, I mean... The new version's <laughs> coming out next week. Right. Yeah. But, but at the same time, though, are we, are we not doing... Are we doing... Uh, our friends a disservice by not bringing up certain things that they maybe didn't think about asking. Because, like, for instance, we played uh, Richard Dawkins in a previous episode. Yeah, yep. and, and he's considered to be this brilliant man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's written uh, a couple of books that are basically sure. they're hack jobs on Christianity. When you listen to him, you're going to be challenged a little bit if you're in the world and you haven't crossed these bridges. Yes. Are we doing our friends a disservice by not bringing up evidence, by not going through those steps and just walking them through a quick process to becoming a Christian and hoping that when they, when they bump into the Richard Dawkins of the world, they're able to just make it? Well, I think we have to take into account that these guys are going to bump into that stuff. <clears throat> we, can't, uh, we can't just assume that that isn't going to happen. Uh, on the other hand, you can only really tell somebody what they want to know. Okay. I mean, if somebody isn't interested in that information, you say, hey, listen, I've, wait, I've got this great book by this fellow who talks about creation. I would like to go over it with you page by page. No, thanks. I'm good. Exactly, man. If, somebody's, if that's not something that they have some interest in, that they recognize as valuable to them, that's, they're done. They're done. But wait, they're done as far as we can't go any farther in the study because we didn't cross that faith-building exercise off of our little outline list? No, it just means that, that you've lost their interest. So what we have to do is we have to, one of two things. Number one, we either have to explain to somebody why those things are important. What things? Things like creation versus evolution. Okay. I mean, even if not for themselves, the person that they disciple is going to have to know that. If they don't go back and prove for themselves the Bible is the Word of God, which is what the bigger context of this falls into, then we really set them up for failure when doubt comes along. Doubt is a necessary part of building faith. We really what? have to, I know. Wait, wait, yes, wait, wait, yes. wait, wait, say that again. Say it. Doubt is a necessary part of building faith. Why? Because everybody has doubts. Yes. Everybody has them. And then, so what do we do with them, though, is what determines whether or not we build faith or we exit the process. So when we read a scripture, we, how in the world does that fit? Have I missed something? What's, or a guy like Richard Dawkins pops up or a guy like, you know, the denominational preacher or whatever. They bring in or the Mormons showed you something you hadn't seen before. Okay, so now we've got a doubt. Now we have a choice. What are we going to do with the doubt? Are we going to sort it out, figure it out, and resolve it? Or are we just going to throw up our hands and say, well, I guess you're going to believe whatever you want to believe because that's okay. Okay. Many of the people that we're talking to, Mark, have been down the Romans road. Yeah. All have sinned. We start in Romans chapter 3. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then we go through and we, we work from there. And then and then, then it ends, like you said, it's three scriptures and a prayer. It's a little more right. than three scriptures, but but we get the point. But they that's what they're used to. Yeah. So... Why why bring up doubts that they haven't considered yet? And and if they're not interested in answering those things mm-hmm. now, is the Bible study over? I mean, because let's say I'm not really interested in creation versus evolution. I believe what the Bible says. I don't need you to introduce to me all the doubts about that. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Thank you. Let's talk about how I become a Christian. Yeah. Will that work? You know, we talked about how when we're working with people, it's not about us. 
Okay. It's about the people that we're working with. Okay. So if if we're when it comes to making disciples, disciples that we make are going to be tested. And we have to as the disciplers, we have to prepare them for the test that they're going to face. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about this. He says, you know, if any man builds upon the foundation that is Christ, he either does so with wood, hay, or straw, or he does so with gold, silver, or precious stones. Right. So, yeah, it goes up a whole lot faster if you use cheaper materials. If you don't take the time to prove your definitions, if you don't take the time to, to really talk about the evidence that proves that the scriptures are reliable, yep, things go a lot faster. You can get right through your Romans road, and, and you'll be done, and everybody goes home happy until those um, doubts um, are going to arise. Okay, so that's really what we're trying to do then. We're trying to help set the, the person up for success when they hit those spots. Yes, and they're going to hit those spots. But they don't need to freak out when they hit them, even if they don't have all the answers, because they've got a little deeper foundation, a better foundation. Right, and we don't need to freak out for them right. in advance. So, yeah, we'll cover those things, and we'll say, hey, listen, here's some, here's some you know, basic material about creation. Here's some basic material about this or that, just to give them enough pieces so that when they come, when they are confronted by those doubts, when they're tested and their faith is really on trial— they have something to go back to. When they have to take that test and defend their faith, they've got something to rely on. Even if they're not doing it for somebody else, they're going to have to do it for themselves. Okay. So so boil it all down. Let's boil this all down okay. and wrap this, put a bow, bow on the package, all right. and then move on to the next thing, okay? All right. All right, so what's wrong with uh, someone who has walked down a 20-minute presentation to become a Christian, even if it ends in the, in the right act of obedience to yep. become a Christian. Okay. What's wrong with that, and why are we doing it different? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, this happens a great deal in the New Testament. You know, Peter or, or Paul will walk into, a, walk into a new location, find some people who are already Bible believers, who are already, you know, looking for the Messiah, and, you know, Peter shows up at the house of Cornelius, and... Seemingly instantaneously, the whole household is being immersed because they've got a they already have a foundation. So Peter didn't take the time to run them through creation versus evolution. He did not take <laughs> actually. The time. They had evolution back then. The, is that right? They did, yeah. Evolution is uh, is a is a theory that goes back even to the Greek even before the Greek. Uh, culture, anyway. I did note. not know that. Yeah, that's, that's why I do Interman Radio because I learn all kinds of See, interesting things. Just, just hang around here. That's more. right. So Peter didn't take them back through those questions. That wasn't really of issue to them. But now Paul, when he talks to the Gentiles, uh, he says, you know, he explains to them the God who created the heavens and the earth. So Paul does give a reference to that stuff, yeah. even though he's not maybe giving a uh, an apologetics argument for it. He is making a reference to that in whom in him we live and move through him we have our being. He's talking about there is a God. There's one you don't know, and he is the God who created the heaven and the earth. That's not very different from what we're doing, but it depends on who we're talking to. Okay. And we're trying to do things that help them prepare them for the challenges that their face faith will face. Got it. Okay. So really, in with a bow. Thank, very good. All right, moving on then. So, we, we, kind of. So, <laughs> uh, what we're really doing though is we're covering a lot of bases that maybe you don't have to cover in every single study, but we're we're trying to cover them for um, so that you guys have the tools, so you're ready to do it 
Whenever, wherever you need to. Bingo. So doubt is necessary to building faith. Have to have it. And so last time we discussed a little bit about Rob O'Keefe's book, uh, Gaining the High Ground Over Evolutionism. Yeah. And uh, Great resource. We've linked very it on factual, the page. Very factual, very helpful, and uh, just, just a, a super resource. You need to have one. You know, also, you might want to check out some uh, other resources that are online that you may know about. Uh, Answers in Genesis has things. Institute for Creation Research has things. Uh, there's some things on radiometric dating, which I really think is really cool. If you're a younger person and you're out there dating, you need to be doing radiometric dating. It's much better. Oh, it's just so much better. Uh, yeah, on the seismic scale. It's not seismic, is it? This is like a Casey Kasem long distance. I think that's radio. Is that radio? Metric. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, and then there's also one that's called Jericho Found. And you can find you can find that video mm. on YouTube. It's it's very good, very insightful. And there's some information on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And those things are really important, and we'll talk about those in just a little bit. But let's turn the corner to getting to know Jesus because that's really what this is about. We're talking about building a faith in a Jesus that's going to last. Yep. Not in a Jesus that's going to last, but building a faith that's going to last in Jesus. You got it. That really takes several steps. Yes! We're down to the oh, steps part. Steps. <laughs> okay. It really takes several steps. Number one is we have to be able to, for some of the people we're going to run into, they don't have confidence that there was a historical Jesus. The ideas are floating around there that Jesus never really existed, that it was a Christ theology yeah. that the disciples were preaching, and that there really never was even a Jesus in the flesh. That's pretty easily debunked, but you need to know how to do it. Last time you read some from Tacitus, uh, who is a secular Roman historian, yeah. probably the preeminent Roman historian, who confirms he lived, uh, he was put to death, he, his followers practiced certain things that made them peculiar in our culture, yep. etc. So we read through those last time. I think I snored halfway through it. It was good stuff. Yeah. yeah, It was good stuff, um, but that's, that's good. You can find that online as well. You sure can. Right, well, next. What's next? <laughs> we'll cut that part out. We were looking for the uh, historical Jesus. <clears throat> so the next thing we really have to understand is that if there is a, an historical Jesus, then we need to understand the historical Jesus in contrast to Jesus in prophecy. That's why? Really, why, 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 that's, why? that's what's going to prove to us and to the people that we're trying to make disciples of that the scriptures are not man's design. That this is something that was carried out on a scope that is far too big for mankind to execute. This is, a, this is not possible for the human mind. Okay, so back up. Big picture here. What we're talking about, guys, is that there's there's people out there who who have a hard time believing that Jesus really existed. That can be tackled by going and looking at historians such as Tacitus, who writes, who is not a Christian, who is a historian of Rome, who talks about Jesus and what happened historically. That can prove that Jesus existed. Now, we're, we're, we've crossed that bridge. We're on to the next one, which is, okay, but wait a minute. The Bible is written, but isn't it written kind of to make it look like it was prophetic, but it really wasn't? Yeah, those Old Testament prophecies are so hyper-accurate that scholars, I should say scoffers, for many years have understood, they recognize that the prophecies clearly point to Jesus. So the only way that they could, that they could get around the obvious focus of those prophecies is to say that the prophecies were edited later after the events occurred to make them to give them the appearance of age and the appearance of being accurate in their prophecy. 
So they fudge the numbers, basically. And anyone that we're studying with who's, who has been immersed in the educational system of the world will have run across yes. this somewhere. Yep. If not um, before, at least in college, most certainly. You bet. And how about Isaiah? So, for instance, uh, we read Isaiah, and there's prophecies about the Christ in Isaiah. Yes. There's super accurate things in there. But the, the people in the world have been taught that Isaiah was what? Well, Isaiah was tampered with in order to uh, in order to make it look like those prophecies were correct. So That's what they've been taught. I see. So some people after Christ uh, was on the earth, yep. some people went back and revised Isaiah. So the version we have of Isaiah today isn't what it looked like when it was originally written, if it was ever originally written, right. wink, wink, uh, because it can't be. Because if it were, then that is proof that Jesus was who he said he was. Yeah, just Isaiah alone. Isaiah prophesies Jesus' uh, death. He prophesies it as a crucifixion. Isaiah prophesies that he's going to be with a rich man in his death. Isaiah prophesies his resurrection. Isaiah is huge. And this is where we really have to tackle the Dead Sea Scrolls because the Dead Sea Scrolls absolutely prove that the Old Testament, and in specific, the book of Isaiah, of which the entire text of Isaiah is incorporated, is found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, Everything there has been unchanged since the day it was deposited in the cliffs around around Qumran at a minimum of 150 B.C. Okay, wait, so let's back up. What are the Dead Sea Scrolls, and why are they so important? Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls are, are a large collection of parchment scrolls that are stored in, uh, in large clay pots. And so they were located in about 1947 in the caves around Qumran, near the kind of the northwest corner of the Dead Sea. And there are all kinds of stuff. There are political records and there are other things. But among them are pieces of the Old Testament scriptures, large pieces of the Old Testament scriptures. And we can, we can look at those and we can know what Jesus was reading when he was in the temple. Reading Isaiah. He was reading Isaiah, yeah. And, and this is from 150 years before Jesus is born. How do we know it's 150 years before Jesus? Because the pottery dates it to 150 B.C. And that's a, just about a universally accepted fact. Okay, I was going to say, who dated the pottery? It wasn't Bob the Christian? I don't think so. No, no okay. I mean, the Dead Sea Scrolls are such a significant find that, uh, and I can't remember, I think it's the Israeli Office of Antiquities, something like that. These things are only given out to world-renowned scholars, but they're not Christian. They're Jewish. Okay. So all of these things, but they're huge because the Old Testament scriptures at 150 B.C., they predated the earliest manuscripts we had prior to that by a thousand years. Wait, so what you're saying is before the Dead Sea Scrolls, before 1947. Yeah, 900 A.D. is the oldest stuff we had. So you and I are reading the Bible. We're reading the New American Standard Bible pre-1995. Sure. Okay. All right, so we're reading that. And, or we can even go to the Kingeth Jameth. Okay? The Kingeth Jameth. All right, so we can go to that. What you're telling me is that when we're reading Isaiah in our Bible, yep. before 1947, we were relying on a manuscript from 900 A.D. Ni- almost a thousand years after Jesus. That's right. We're talking. I mean, we're, we're talking the, the rolling into. Uh, we're talking after Muhammad. Yeah. After Islam, we're talking. Right. And so it gave a lot of room for the scoffers to say, well, this could have been changed. I mean, a whole millennia has passed since these events took place. Who are you to say that there wasn't any nip and tuck that went on here? 
Well, and it makes sense that there would be, because in almost any literature there yep, is. Yep, there's going to be some creep. Yeah. But when we compare the scrolls of the Dead Sea that are 150 years before Jesus to the manuscripts we had at 900 A.D., they are 95% in the, in the study of Gleason Archer, 95% exactly accurate. And the 5% of, uh, of uh, diversion is slips of the pen or changes of spelling huh. in the course of those years. He said, it's exactly the same. So in other words, what we're reading in our NASB Bible or whatever we're yes. using, okay? Yeah. And the kingeth, Jameth, king that's Jameth. funny. <laughs> okay, so whatever we're reading, yeah. and we pull out the Dead Sea Scrolls, yep. that for us, that's, mm-hmm. that's about 2,100, 2,200 yes. years old. If we were to compare that and put that into English, basically it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And that is so significant because it means that all the prophecies that Isaiah has about Jesus, about his death, his burial, his resurrection, his crucifixion, all those things are in place before Jesus is born. That means there's got to be another, there has to be another explanation. How Isaiah could know that. About Jesus, even 150 years, Isaiah lives 700 B.C. Right. But how Isaiah is going to know that, there is no human explanation for the accuracy of those prophecies. Can't be done. And so the bottom line here is, since we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, we're able to verify that the Bible is reliable. That's right. And prophecy is one of the ways we do it. And we'll do that in just a moment. But first, Mark, <laughs> yeah. we've got to give a shout-out to some, some people here. Oh, that's here. right. Yeah, you that's know, we, right. Can't forget, we can't forget. Uh, Kristen Barkey. Uh, Way to go, Kristen. Thank you. She recommended a song for us on Interman Radio because it's a real yes. positive song. And uh, also... It's bubbly, I would say. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> even comes with the video. Now, yeah. the video, uh, we're not the demographic, Mark, okay. for the video. But it's still a cool video. And also, I think... Uh, Colleen Hickman yes, might like this does. as well. Yes, she does. This is a big favorite of Miss Colleen Hickman. Yeah, so, Colleen and and uh, Kristen, this one's for, for you. you.
there it is from Mandisa. All right. That's a fun song, and it's really uplifting. It uh, is. It gets you moving. It definitely does. You should have seen Mark. He was uh, he was dancing. We've got a swivel chair. No, that's not true. He was not dancing. No. He felt like it, though. On the inside, on the inside Mark was dancing. My, yeah, my. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark, where are we going next? We're going to the resurrection of Jesus. Right on. Guys, there is a tremendous amount of historical evidence that proves the resurrection that is non-biblical. But the resurrection does something that all the scriptures are designed to give us faith in the resurrection. That proves that what Jesus said about himself is correct. The resurrection is the keystone. It is the, it is the primary element in the Christian faith. If there's no resurrection then our faith is worthless, we're of all men most to be pitied, and we're all going to die anyway. But if there is a resurrection, then Jesus is to be believed, and Jesus is who he said he was. This is the key point. This is the keystone on the arch. Yes. Because almost every other religion out there will will give at least lip service to Jesus being a good man. Right. Maybe a good teacher. Yep. And, and if you're talking to someone of the Muslim faith, they'll even say he was a prophet. Yep. But he is the son of God. He rose from the dead. Th- that That's what makes Christianity Christianity. Yeah. Christianity is the only religion whose founder is still alive, so, who raised from the dead and said he was going to do it. If Jesus is alive, it proves that he was God in the flesh and that he's still God now and that he is the I am that he claimed to be. And that's what we're going to talk about next week on On Inner Man Man Radio. Radio.